This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday evening, if you want to call it that, here in the Great Lakes region. Uh, Christmas is this week. Merry Christmas, because I'll forget to say it at the end of the show. Um, Happy holidays for whatever it is that you're celebrating. Let's dive in a full show tonight, and we start with what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Rockingham Speedway roared to life last week during a Cars Late Model Tour tire test in preparation for the March 6, 2021 $10,000 to win season opener. It would be the first race at The Rock in nearly eight years, dating back to, I believe it was a NASCAR Truck Series event that last graced the property of Rockingham. The Arkham Menards East and West Series released their 2021 schedules with eight events for the East Series and nine out West. The East will visit New Smyrna, Five Flags, Nashville Fairgrounds, Dover, and Bristol as part of their 2021 campaign while the West has stops at Phoenix, Irwindale, the Bullring at Las Vegas, and Sonoma as part of their 2021 schedule. And some F1 news for our European racing fans. Red Bull Racing has confirmed Sergio Perez will join the team alongside Max Verstappen. The move replaces Alexander Albin for just one season as of right now, as Perez's deal is currently only for the 2021 campaign. And those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me in the Horsepower Happening studio. Good evening, Rich. How are you this evening? I am awesome, Zach. How is your week? It's going well, man. I'm getting jacked up. I've got a newborn and it's the week of Christmas and uh, we're we're doing everything we can not to tear into Christmas presents. (laughs) Your your first Christmas being a dad, right? Yes, yes, exactly. It's got to be special. We're looking forward to it, man. I can't wait. Man, well, you know what I'm looking forward to, Zach? Um, I-96 Speedway has really been in the news lately. In um, a good reason, too. For good yeah, reason. Hot and heavy. And and they are really setting up a very dominant sprint car schedule. Well, Zach, Jeff Dice was at it again uh, this weekend. Uh, June 18th, they just added to the schedule. Sprints on dirt. I said sprints on dirt is yeah. back in action. Uh, for their first appearance since 2018 at I-96, along with the Great Lakes traditional sprints. Um, Also, they were confirming two dates, May 14th and August 20th, with the Ollie's Bargain Outlet All-Star Circuit of Champions, Zach. So is I-96 officially a sprint car track now? Well, here's the thing. I think that sprint car racing at I-96 Speedway is some, some of the best in the state. Um, I think that the Great Lakes Super Sprints put on a good show almost anywhere that they go. 
and I think that there used to be a track that was known. They still do run sprints on a weekly basis over here at Butler, but man, I-96 is just about the perfect setup now that they've gotten rid of the half mile and they've committed to this three-eighths to full te four-tenths mile of an oval. Um, the track surface that they've got going on there, uh, they've got a great track prep program, and I have not been disappointed at a sprint car show at that facility yet. And I know the burning question is, what happened to the late model program? We don't have American Ethanol anymore. We don't see a Hell Tour race on their schedule this year. We don't see a World of Outlaws race. No Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. What's going on with the late model program? And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited to see what the I-96 Speedway schedule looks like, to see if late models are even uh, going to be a, a part of what they've got going on in 2021. My, my understanding is they are, but we haven't seen anything to confirm that. Well, you're, you're going to find out because you're going to be spending, it sounds like, a lot of time this year <laughs> at I-96 Speedway. And, and we'll, we'll talk to Barry a little more about that and how much he's going to monopolize your time. Yeah, I'm going to need you to set up that brand new camper you got at I-96 for me. I'll break it in. <laughs> I bet you will. <laughs> more details have been announced about Bristol's time in the dirt for 2021. That's right. The Bristol Dirt Nationals, scheduled for March 15th through the 20th will feature eight classes with multiple sanctioning bodies. What headlines the weekend? Well, nothing more than super late models, which will put a cap on the week-long event. Overall, $400,000 will be handed out throughout the week for the eight-division program. The marquee event, $50,000 to win a 50-lap super late model race on Saturday night. That closes out the week. Friday night, just one night prior, a 50-lap $10,000 to win contest will headline the evening. Bristol will also see modifieds, sport mods, stock cars, 602 and 604 late models, compacts, and an open modifieds division. To conserve space, by the way, for you competitors listening, all support divisions will be limited to 150 entries per class. Now, there was some confusion about that today on social media. Their release says 150 entries per class. Uh, the super late models, however, will not have a cap on the entry and by the way, this all leads up to the NASCAR Cup Series descending on the Speedway the following weekend for the Food City 500 on dirt and the Pinty's Dirt Race for the Truck Series on Saturday of the following weekend. And uh, it's sounding like it's going to be a big month down there on the dirt for Bristol. Yeah, sounds like speaking of the camper, I can go down there for two weeks and not have to move it, right? <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's do it. Sounds like fun to me. You know, you talk about late models, Zach. Let's talk about late models on the on the pavement side. A collection of late model promoters met last week in Montgomery, Alabama, with a focus on event scheduling and amendments to pro late model rule books across tracks and series involved. A pretty cool deal. The media included a representation, either in person or via Zoom conference call, from Chris Motorsports Park, Five Flag Speedway, Montgomery Motor Speedway, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, as well as Champion Racing Association. Uh, Technical director Ricky Brooks, everybody knows who he is, took part in the rules discussion, uh, along with our friend R.J. Scott from CRA. Yes. Uh, those involved in the meeting believe it was beneficial for the promoters and competitors alike, allowing the tracks and series to try to work together and work out their 2021 schedules, uh, as well as a consensus on the rule books. Um the four tracks involved all host pro late model racing uh, as part of their weekly programs. And while champion racing associations, Jake's here, all-stars tour is a pro late model touring series. So that's why they were involved. 
And as a result, interested teams will be able to compete at any of the four tracks, as well as with the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour, without scheduling, uh, without a scheduling or rule book conflict. That's pretty cool. Uh, the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour already competes primarily in the Midwest, but also competes at Chris Motorsports Park during the annual CRA Speed Fest weekend. And then uh, this year, CRA contested its annual Master of the Pros event at Nashville and sanctioned the pro late model portion of the All-American 400 weekend. No major rule changes for this group, Zach, are expected. I think we should talk about why this meeting was so significant because – uh, you know, the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour, they have a very prominent presence up here in the Midwest, in Michigan, Indiana, obviously, out of Indianapolis for the most part, uh, Ohio. And here's the thing. On the dirt side, Rich, a lot of people fall back on either IMCA or Dirt Car UMP for a general rule book that blankets all their divisions. We don't have that, you, you know, on the pavement side for pro late models. And uh, it, I think it does hinder their ability sometimes to put on spectacular events where we're only seeing at, at times 15 cars show up for an event this is a big deal uh and the other part of this that's a big deal rich is the fact that my understanding is that aside from maybe one event there are no conflicts between the jeg cri all-stars tour montgomery motor speedway nashville fairground speedway uh five flag speedway chris motorsports park uh, Southern Super Series was involved in this as well. My understanding is there are very, very, very few conflicts between all of these entities now, and it's going to be a great thing, I think, from north to south for pro and super late model racing. Yeah, there's only so many weekends available for you to schedule your shows, so you have to figure there might be a couple that that may overlap, but the major, the big-time shows that, that are nationally recognized – uh, they're not going to have to pick between them, you know, which one to go. And how great is it, too? I, I want to get back to the rules part, Rich, as a former driver yourself, to know that you've got this. And again, yeah, these tracks are down south, but they've paired with the JEG CRI All-Stars Tour, which is already kind of helping with our rule books up here. Uh, how great is it that these guys have all come together with the minds of Eddie Chu and, you know, Ricky Brooks and said, here's what we think is going to work? Oh, I think it's great. Uh, you know, it, it draws more cars for everybody. Mm -hmm. It really does. Um, hey, where do you want to go? Do you want to go run the Master of the Pros? Do you want to go down to the Snowball Derby? Do you want to, you know, go to the All-American 400? And you know you don't have to go through your whole car and make changes, uh, you know, changes on it. And, and I can't believe that they were that different anyway. Those cars look so close together Sure. Uh, when you get down and look at them. I, I'm pr I probably think it was just some, you know, dotting the I's and crossing some T's mm -hmm. is the extent of it because they were that close together already. Well, let's talk about some late model racing up here in the state of Michigan. Berlin Raceway announced their 2021 schedule on Friday. 22 events mark the uh, mark a very full slate for the Marne Michigan Bullring. Kicking things off on April 17th with the traditional Icebreaker 100, along with uh, weekly racing for the super late models, limited late models, sportsmen and four-cylinders, other key events will include the Money in the Bank 150 on June 9th. This is a Wednesday event, according to the calendar this year, uh, which is off of the traditional Monday that we've been used to. The Arca Menard Series on July 17th. The Battle at Berlin at uh, on weekend of August 20th and 21st. And the season-ending Chet Championship on September 11th. There's one track, Rich, that we hope can get a full season in in 2021. Boy, they really need it after only getting four races in in, in 2020. Uh you know, I'm hoping to make it out there to Berlin uh, 
you know, once or twice uh, here this year. 22 events on the schedule. That is a stacked schedule by any standard. Looking forward to it for sure. And I'd like to see a full season for this limited late model. Uh, I don't think they got the full competition that they were looking for last year uh, out of just those four races. I don't think they got a good showing of what they believe that that division can be. Um, and so I'm excited to see what that limited late models look like with a full season. And, and the more cars, uh, there's probably, you know, teams that are starting to build them. They, who knows what, what they're going to come out. Hopefully they have about 15 cars. That would be, I think they would accept that for really delaying their inaugural season sure. a little bit for the most part. And if they got anywhere more than that, I think it'd be all, all gravy for them. Let's talk about a couple of things that are happening uh, on the national scene. We already talked about the rules and, and package that was announced through Nashville and, and those other tracks. But how about this that came out today through Speed 51? Bristol Motor Speedway, City of Nashville, and SMI, the Speedway Motors Incorporated, have released a, an announcement today. The announcement came from the City of Nashville about the discussions that are being had about a partnership with the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway and SMI, Bristol Motor Speedway, to bring the big three of NASCAR back to the fairgrounds. Rich, what were your thoughts when you saw this? Well, I, I was wondering what was going to happen. Initially, I was my thought was what is going to happen to the weekly programs at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway? Right. Um, do they want to go to larger events and not run weekly and maybe just lease the track out for special events for a special event only facility? Uh, we've seen a lot of tracks do that to reduce expenses and not have to run every single week. Um, and the other thing was, from what I read, if this goes through, if this goes past a discussion, um, this is a win for the city of Nashville because Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, SMI, they're putting the money in. They'll be putting the money into Nashville Fairground Speedway to redo just about everything. Sure. And and that's in the hopes of, and you're not going to do it for any reason, but in the hopes of having a NASCAR event there in 2022. Well, I had a chance to talk with uh, somebody that we kind of know, um, <laughs> Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway General Manager Scott Menlin. I chatted with him today, and he said, rest assured, even if these discussions go somewhere... Um, the most likely thing that he believes will happen is that Bob Sargent and Track Enterprises will stay involved to host uh, local racing um, at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway while moving forward with the SMI and Bristol Motor Speedway in the city of Nashville to not only help bring Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway back to a more national, I mean, it is still America's favorite short track, but back to a more national spotlight and still run weekly division shows in between those big, big events. Yeah, that was that was my first thought because you know we've we've both been down there a couple of times this year. You you a little bit more than I have, but that uh, is a really nice facility they have there. I enjoy the racing they have here. It's great, great show, uh, great shows there. Uh, so you know, it, when I first saw the headlines, I you know it kind of perked my interest. Like, uh oh. Uh, so we'll see what happens. They're they're just talking. Uh, I'm sure if they get past the talking stage. Uh, we'll hear more about it. Well, the more that Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Daryl Waltrip talk about putting Nashville back on the on the map, the more that seems to be moving in that direction. So um, looking forward to seeing what happens there. Let's talk about some more local-ish things that are going on. I noticed today on Facebook um, our friend Andrew Scheid was spotted in Florida at New Smyrna Speedway testing for February's World Series. We talked with him a couple of weeks ago about that, Mike Blackmere and uh, Cadillac North Racing getting set to go. 
uh, Cadillac West Racing, I'm sorry, getting sent to go down there at New Smyrna. Andrew going to make his first start with the World Series and basically just looking for some seat time. You know, that's good, and that's a good track for him, you know, especially after getting the seat time at Berlin. Um, you know, it, this isn't a this isn't a Winchester or a Toledo that he would be showing at that that's ultra fast. Uh, New Smyrna, you have to use your brakes. You have to drive the racetrack. Uh, I think that is the, the perfect track if you're getting outside of Berlin to get him some more seat time. Uh, that is a great track to send him down to. You know what else you have to use at the World Series at New Smyrna is your brain. Remember the crash fest that we saw last year uh, where they had to have a massive pit meeting with all of these drivers because there was so much retaliation and so much rough driving and they were tearing up so much equipment. Uh, this will be great for Andrew to learn to work on that patience, stay out of trouble, um, and, and not tear the car up and, and probably bring home a good finish. And he proved he had the patience and the smarts and that he listened to people uh, that know better than he does in his starts at Berlin. Absolutely. You know, when he went out there, they said, we don't care where you're qualifying. You're starting in the back. Right. <laughs> and and you're going to run laps and you're going to run the whole race. That was the whole idea. Not to pass cars, run. And then each week he got better and better and better and started passing cars. So. I think they might be loosening the noose up on him just a little bit. And remember, <laughs> Andrew's getting ready for a rookie campaign with the JEG CRE All-Stars Tour in 2021. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's going to be at New Smyrna in February. Do we see him at CRA Speed Fest at Cordial, Georgia in January to kind of get used to running with these guys? I don't know. Maybe not. But we'll see what happens. I'm thinking if they're testing at New Smyrna, that's, what, that's where they want to kind of break him out at down there. Uh, and just before the, you know, b before the CRA season, uh, you know, really gets underway, uh, back up north. Something else happening locally, Rich, a uh, guy that you're pretty familiar with is going to be racing here very soon. Yeah. Hayden Sprague, um, he went, you know, we saw him down there the past couple of years at the world series, uh, running, uh, running for Skinner, uh, Mike Skinner and his son, Jamie, uh, running one of their cars. Well, um, he went down there to the Governor's Cup uh, back in November and finished top five in the pro late model race down there. So now this he's going down there for the Red Eye uh, January 2nd in his family-owned car. So he's taking, uh, taking his car. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if anybody else doesn't know, Hayden, he the year at the Flat Rock Speedway in the Outlaw Late Models in 2019. And he won the feature on championship night at, uh, on two, in 2019. So, um, you know, Hayden's starting to run a little bit more in the template car. And he seems to really like going down there to New Smyrna. So we'll have to keep a, keep an eye on what he does down there on January 2nd. Looking forward to that. Uh, good luck to uh, Hayden Sprague heading down there. And uh, good luck to the other folks that might be running down there, too. Hayden's the only one, really, that I've seen, that we've seen that's going to the red eye. Uh, but who knows? Maybe some more will pop up here over the next couple of weeks. Okay, Rich, let's move into our first interview tonight. It uh, took us a couple weeks to get him not locked down, but it's our pleasure to welcome on this gentleman from Ohio, who's the winner of a Southern Championship Series. We'll talk about that coming up. Let us know who we're chatting with. Yeah, Zach, he is a former ICAR All-Star Modified Tour champion, and you know I got to meet and talk with him after his big win in October at the run for the gun at Winchester. And like you said, he's the 2020 Modifieds of Mayhem, Mayhem champion running down south. We'll get more into that. Uh, the unique thing about it, that is exactly what you said. He's from Marion, Ohio. Kyle Purvis, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. 
Thanks for having me. First of all, congratulations on the championship. But Kyle, tell me how a guy from Ohio wins a championship down south. And I guess maybe that just shows how bad things were up here for 2020, huh? Yeah, things, you know, up north, as you are aware, were really, really bad uh, first of the year. And all the racetracks weren't able to race. And uh, I have a good friend. Uh, we've been, become very, very good friends. Uh, Derek Griffin, um, Derek and I become really, really good friends. And he actually built my, my new modified. And uh, so we started looking at the schedules and uh, was like, man, let's, let's go racing. You know, everybody's sitting around at home and w- wants to race. And we couldn't race up here. So uh, we missed actually one of the races, one of the points races um, for the mod- modified mayhem tour. But uh, we were able to do well enough throughout the season, uh, picked up three wins and was really able to, um, you know, gain a lot of points each race. And uh, between Derek uh, helping me, you know, they do live down south. So that helped out some and uh, was able to win at the end of the year at Five Flags. That was really cool. You know, I think this is probably almost a perfect storm for you, Kyle. You're looking, you're sitting around going, man, what are we going to do up here? We don't know, especially in Ohio, where I think things were probably a little locked down harder than they were up here in Michigan. And then you find this Modifieds of Mayhem that's, you know, six or seven races, and you've only missed one points race to this, to this uh, you know, point in the season. Did you come into this thing? Did you go down to Alabama? I think maybe it was the first race you went to. I can't remember if it was Montgomery or, or, or not. But anyhow, did you come into this thing thinking that maybe you did have a shot at a championship? No, I mean, we really didn't. Um, you know, the first, I think the first modified mayhem race that we ran this year was at Five Flags. And okay, Five we Flags. won there. Um, you know, so obviously we, we weren't really we were planned on to run quite a few races down there because we enjoy the travel. Um, we love the way Stan and his group of people run the modified mayhem tour. Um, so when, whenever we have a, a chance to travel, um, we love to do it, you know? So you, you, you jump on this thing and you win your first race and, um, you know, are these tracks down there tracks that you're very familiar with? I know you said you love to travel. So how often are you seeing these race tracks that are on this, this schedule? Well, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, I think we went to either three or four new tracks this year, and uh, we we always laugh. I, I love to go to a new place, and I don't know if it's just to check the, the facility out or just travel, but it's just fun. Um, one of the things my wife likes to do, too, so that makes it even better, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the fact. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like Cordell, Georgia um, – I, I was there to help Derek in an outlaw race um, once. Other than that, that, that was the first time i ever seen it. You know, the race we won, that was the first time ever being on the racetrack. Uh, Montgomery, we raced there twice um, this year. The first race, we finished second. First time i ever seen the place, the second time we won. Um, so a lot of, you know, new tracks that we love to go to. And the facilities down south are really nice as well. You know, every racetrack we went to this year was just nice. You can't beat the weather down there either, can you? <laughs> no, we, that, yeah, that, that's the other thing. Uh, we love to go to Pensacola. That's, I mean, we love to race at Five Flags every time we get. Um, not only the racetrack's awesome, Tim and Tim Bryant and the whole whole Five Flags group does a nice job, but to also to, to get a couple of days on the beach, that's, you can never turn that down. You know, Kyle, we've had some guests on the show that, um, you know, we're – 
you know, kind of went in the outlaw super late model side that we, we've had Andy Bozell and Phil Bozell on and they, and they told us how much fun they're having when they get to go modified racing. And, and, and really Zach is a dirt guy and we've got him to like the modifieds on pavement. Now it's one, one of, of favorite. his favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you've run ARCA and CRA. What, uh, what keeps you in a modified? Is it, uh, I mean, they're wild about everywhere they go. They're a handful. It seems like to me. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, for, for one thing, and like you guys said, I've driven late models. Um, what's fun about the modified are their, their high horsepower. Um, they don't have a whole lot of body, so they, they tend to move around a lot and you really have to drive them, um, without the body and without the tire, you know, as well as everybody knows the cars, uh, don't stick as well. So you really have to drive, get up on the wheel and drive them. And they're a lot of fun. And if you really look down through, you know, a lot of the races, like you just said, Andy Bozell, I mean, he's run outlaws for years. Um, just about every modified, big modified show in the country, there's a stack full of heavy hitters that's raced anywhere from super late outlaws, pro late street stocks. And that, that, that's what really makes it fun. Now I had mentioned before you won an ICAR all-star modified tour championship, uh, back in 2018, uh, everybody knows now that tour is now Midwest Modifieds Tour. Um, you know, it was terribly unfortunate for Brian and Bud to have to deal with this pandemic in their first year uh, of getting into this thing. But I think they're going to do great things with that tour. And it showed really with the great car count you guys had at Winchester. Yeah, I think they're really going to do a phenomenal job with it. Um, Bud, he runs the hot shoe. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the hot shoe modified race. Oh, yeah, very much so. yeah. He's taken that over. Well, I mean, they, they started it there a few years back and I'm not really sure how many years, but uh, they do a well, a very good job at teching cars and running the show correctly. And that's what it takes. And if you do that, you'll, you always get cars. Yeah, and and what is the difference there when when you mention I guess the tech line? It's interesting to me that that brought up because we had Brian Nestor on a few weeks ago, and and he kind of alluded to the same thing about how you know they just want to make sure that everybody knows what they're getting into when they show up at the races. Um, it sounds like it must be easy for these modifieds. This modified division can get out of hand if it if it's not uh, kept in check. Yeah, I mean the bodies, you know, the bodies are all made you know, by hand, uh, with a break, you start out with a four by each sheet aluminum and you go to town. So there has to be, uh, rules there. Cause if not, you know, um, they can, they can get out of hand and then, and you don't want, uh, one car to be, you know, looking a lot different than the other ones, because then everybody's like, well, do I need to make my car like that? Or if there's just a set of rules, you know, then, then it keeps, people more on a fair you know plane i guess you know do you believe that there's much of a performance advantage i mean you know we talk about outlaw super late models a lot and of course the template cars are rigorously teched um what what sort of performance advantage with those eight inch tires do you see in in you know some of those sail panels getting out of control or maybe the way that the the bend is and the quarter panel i mean where are we looking at performance advantages there well if Whenever you can put more rake in the body, you know, like I said earlier, there's not a whole lot of body on the modified. So if you can get a little bit of benefit with the bodies, I think it goes a long way. You know, 
the rules, you know, down south, up north, or a six-inch uh, body rake rule. Uh, if a guy rolls in there with eight inches of body rake, that's uh, that's big when the car, you know, gets down and travels and stays down on the racetrack. It it gains a lot more than than the you know six-inch body rake rule. And I've and I've noticed, you know, la- the last couple of years that I've watched when you know, Travis Eddy would go down to the World Series and just, I mean, he, he would pretty much lay it on him when he goes down there. Is, is, are the modifieds up here, are, are they better than the one, the guys that, that run down there most of the time? With the rule differences, I suppose. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's a lot of good drivers everywhere. Um, you know, you brought up Travis. I mean, they really have a good program at New Smyrna. Um, he does well down there he has the stuff right you know um it just goes to back to you know people that do their homework and and work really hard on stuff and that's that's how a lot of people do well at at racing you know let's talk about some of the other things that you've accomplished uh you know looking on the thirdturn.com which is a great website by the way if you're looking to uh stalk in your favorite drivers i love this website nascar advanced auto parts weekly series results columbus motor speedway they have you listed here as having a uh, regional standings championship back in 2015 and man you've racked up some wins uh at columbus motor speedway and it looks like at kill care as well uh over there in the early part of the 2010s uh what was it about those tracks man you were having some fun there so um you know we live about an hour north of columbus and our home track was columbus motor speedway at the time and uh Jeff and Jerry and John, they owned the racetrack and they ended up selling it. And so we were always racing there on a weekly series and growing up um, at Columbus racing just about every Saturday night. What the nice thing about Columbus had going for them is they were a NASCAR home track. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you run the weekly deal and you get involved with the points at the end of the year, the, the NASCAR home track point system, the point fund and everything was really, really beneficial because you could, you could uh, win quite a, quite a bit if you did well in the points game. So what, what happened to these tracks then? Am I understanding that they got sold and that kind of went away? So Columbus Motor Speedway was sold. Um, 2016 was the last season that Columbus had, mm. but so, Back to the the NASCAR thing, in 2015, we were the National Division II champion throughout the whole wow. country with my modified. Okay, very cool. So I just I have it listed here as regional, but that was a, that was a national championship. Yeah, it was a National Division II. Wow. And uh, what was neat, what was so cool about that was is uh, Na- NASCAR actually flew us down for the uh, the banquet for the home track um thing and it was really really cool they put on awesome show um there's there's quite a few other guys i think that you know bubba brooks has been involved in the nascar home track deal but it was the point fund money was just huge in the you know because there's so many tracks doing it so in the state and the national deal there was just a lot of money out there to be made if you if you were able to do well at your track you know Chatting with Kyle Purvis, uh, he uh, just won the Modifieds of Mayhem Championship earlier this month down at Five Flag Speedway. Uh, also is the winner of the Run for the Gun here in 2020 from Winchester Speedway. Kyle, uh, let's talk about that championship that you had, that national championship. Where does that 
Where does that stand in your list of accomplishments behind the wheel of a race car? Uh, really high. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we've won at Bristol, but the, the NASCAR national deal was just really neat because, um, you know, after 2016, we, we weren't really able to run any more national for any national or state championship or anything. Cause the racetrack was gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, go ahead. I was go just going to say, so that's up there. I mean, you mentioned Bristol. Uh, what, what other, what other things do you think you put on your, let's say top five list of things you've done behind the wheel. I, I know you've, you've accomplished a lot in your career so far. Yeah. I mean, we've won at Bristol in 2018. Um, we won the run for the gun 50 at Winchester, uh, three times. We've won the fall brawl modified portion twice, I think, two or three times. Um, in 2016, I actually run a late model for uh, Kyle Jones. I'm sure you guys have heard of his name over the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won the actual track championship at Columbus the last year that uh, that they were open. So that was really, really neat just to call. You know, we were the last champion late model division that, that come out of Columbus Murder Speedway. So that was really, really neat. Now – I I did a little bit of web surfing myself, and I don't know if you saw this today. Uh, Speed 51 put out late this afternoon uh, the top 10 asphalt modified drivers in the country in 2020. And they also included the New England Super Modified, the big 20-inch tires or whatever they run on them, those guys. (laughs) And you are seventh listed by Speed 51 behind guys like Matt Hirschman, Craig Lutz, John McKennedy, Tyler King, most of these guys out of the Northeast. That's a pretty cool deal, man. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, my wife, actually, just before you guys called, uh, she told me about that, and I thought that was really nice, and that's pretty cool to be on the top ten, um, you know, especially with, you know, what's went on this year in 2020 and not being able to race so much. It was, it was pretty neat to see that. What's it uh, – how does that make you think back on your season now? I mean, obviously, you know, you, you can think you had a pretty good season, but when people that know what they're talking about are saying, man, this guy did pretty good. That's got, you know, kind of put the cherry on the, on the top. Isn't that kind of, kind oh, yeah, of make yeah. Good for you? Yeah. We, uh, we had five wins this year. A um, couple of them probably got away from us. We would have liked to run just a little bit better down at five flags, but uh, my buddy Derek, he won and that was, it was good, good to see him win. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all in all, we had an awesome year. Uh, Would have liked to race a little bit more, but uh, all in all, we, we still raced ten times and won five of them. So we were really happy. What's your what's a normal schedule look like for you? I know up here we, we, we'll hear dirt guys say, oh, it's nothing to run 65 races, but, you know, when you're talking about UMP late models, it's easy to find a race. What What's a normal season look like for you? Uh, usually probably around 15, 15 plus shows probably a year, maybe 20 at tops probably. Okay. Now, what is what is it about Modifieds? I mean, I love the division, but why aren't I seeing that division everywhere I go? When I'm, you know, if it wasn't for the Midwest Modified Tour, we really wouldn't have anything on our Michigan schedules up here. Um, and, you know, I, I, my, my knowledge kind of stops there as far as crossing the state lines into Indiana or Ohio. Uh, why aren't I seeing these Modifieds on a more regular basis? What's your take on that? Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, there's there's probably some, you know, to do with maybe some of the tracks don't have that division. Um, I think they're a great division, um, especially everybody's trying to get 
on the same rule package. Mm-hmm. If you can get everybody on the same rule package, then then you know a guy like myself can go Indiana, uh, Michigan. Which I will say, you know, Michigan, um, Indiana, Ohio, you know, all pretty much run and try to follow the top speed modified tour. That way, it's easy for us guys to travel a little bit up here in the north. You know. Kind of a uh, regulated rule book, which would make it easy. Uh, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show about what happened uh, with Nashville and, and Montgomery and, uh, you know, Cordial and kind of CRA and everybody kind of regulating a rule book for template, template late models. And, uh, man, we've been calling for that for our super guys up here and, and some of the modified guys, too. We'd love to see that. Kyle, what, is, uh, what does 2020 look like for you? Uh, I mean, 2020 is in the rearview mirror. I should say, what does 2021 look like? for you uh do we see you take on the world series here in a couple of months or do you stay home and get ready for a hopeful 2021 season closer to closer to camp yeah i not really sure yet um you know the problem with the world series is their rules are a little bit different than the than the way my car set up for the modified mayhem and also you know for the tour races up north here so you got to change some some things, uh, a little bit left less left side weight, um, and some other rules. But um, that that's what I was saying earlier. It'd just be nice if everybody could get on the same. You know, if ten guys could sit around the table and say, okay, let's let's come to uh, agreement on the rules. You know, like the rules down south don't really match the rules up north, and it would be nice to get those rules closer. That way, if a couple of my buddies that I race with up here say, Hey, I want to go to five flags. They don't have to change near as much. Well, you know, I, I, if, if, if you need a little bit of push, I would love for you to go down there because I'm tired of watching Travis Eddie run hot laps for 50 <laughs> laps. I want somebody to go down there and race him. <laughs> well, he's awful tough to beat down there. <laughs> Well, Kyle, I guess my last question is, uh, are modifieds where your career is? I mean, you're a young guy. You've got got a lot of racing years left under you. Do we see you go back to templates? Do we see you go into something else? Or do you think modifieds is where you live for a while? I'm not sure. I mean, I'd love I'd love to run a late model. Um, it it uh, takes a lot of, lot of hands to run one, though, correctly. Uh, you know, it'd be awesome to drive one for somebody, but those, those deals just aren't just setting out, mm-hmm. you know, every day to just pick up alongside the street and, and go, you know, but, right. uh, you know, late model racing is pretty expensive to do it and do it right. And what I enjoy with the modified is, is, you know, uh, my dad and my wife can pick up and get, jump in the truck and drive, you know, 12, 13 hours. And if my buddy Derek isn't racing, then, you know, he, he'll help us from time to time or a couple of my buddies up north here. But it's, it's very easy to go modified racing. For sure. Well, Kyle Purvis has joined us tonight on Horsepower Happenings, driver of that uh, iconic number 13. Great number, by the way. Um, great looking car. And uh, a pleasure to chat with you tonight, man. It's uh, exciting to see what you're able to do. Congrats on the, the ranking through Speed 51. Congrats on the championship. And we look forward to running into you at a track in 2021. Yeah, thank you. And uh, one last thing, I would just like to thank my sponsors. Absolutely. Um, before we get off here, um, because if it wasn't for them, uh, I wouldn't be able to travel. I wouldn't be able to race. I wouldn't be able to do anything. So I just want to give a shout out to all my sponsors, Farm Transport, Auto Owners Insurance, 
UIS Insurance, Classic Homes of Pensacola, McNeely Performance, Mohole Hydrovac, DG Performance, Eminem Head Service, and Wasserbeck Speed Shop. Did you leave yourself out there? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't want you to get in trouble at home. Uh, but uh, I would hate for you to leave your wife out of that of that equation. Yeah, like I said, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be allowed to do anything. <laughs> there you go. Very good point. Well, hey, uh, you know, I got to thank her too. She helped me get this set up with you, and uh, I know that she's always involved in what you got going on. And uh, you guys are actually you're kind of more recently married than than most people think, right? Did you just get married this year? Uh, we've been married just a little over a year. Okay, uh, September fourteenth last year. So, yep she uh, she hasn't kicked me to the curb yet. <laughs> well, good job, Kyle, man. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. Good work, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Well, thanks for having me on. You guys have a good Christmas. Thank you. You too. Well, good conversation right there uh, with with Kyle, and uh, thanks to Kyle Purvis. Thanks to Alyssa, uh, the agent, the w- <laughs> the wife for setting that up for us uh, and getting us hooked up there. Um, Rich, we got a pretty cool deal still going on on the Horsepower Happening social media page. It's the HPH Best Driver Challenge presented by Victory Custom Trailers, and a very tasty matchup dropped tonight before the podcast. Yeah, you know we're we're getting into the we're getting down near the end of this now, and it's starting to get really interesting. Um, now it's the first time you're going to see, uh, one of these names. Uh, finally you're seeing who the number one seeds are in the top seeds. So I thought it was pretty cool tonight. Uh, for 24 hours, you get to vote Hunter Jack, who won his first round match, uh, up against Cody Coughlin. Yeah. And he's going to go against Johnny Van Dorn tonight. So, uh, that's cool stuff. Now, if you missed it, if for some reason you've been living under a rock on social media or you don't have social media, that's fine. Um, Evan Shotko fan club pulled through yesterday to knock off, uh, Boris Yorkovic out of Illinois, who races at Berlin Speedway uh, much of the time. Dan Leak bested Jack Dossie III, a pair of JEG CRA All-Stars Tour champions going at it. Dan Leak will get the best of him and take on Brian Campbell on Saturday, one day after Christmas. Earlier in the week, it was Kyle Crump who bested Brian Burgaker to move on to his semifinal round. And uh, so we're, we're going to see Kyle go against uh, Carson Hosevar. As we mentioned, Hunter Jack going to take on Johnny Van Dorn tonight. Evan Shotko will take on the winner of Dan Leak versus Brian Campbell. So this is going to get very interesting in the semifinals. Yeah, you know, this one is probably a – I love how tight these battles have been so far. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's been within 20, 20 votes on a couple hundred, uh, couple hundred votes every single night. It's just amazing how tight it is. But uh, it's going to get really interesting because now these guys that won their first or second round match have to go against – the big boys, Zach. Well, get your votes in before 8 o'clock tomorrow, and uh, you'll be able to help your, we call it the best driver challenge. I don't think we're naive enough to say that it's not more of a popularity contest, but hey, uh, you vote for the driver that you think is the best, and uh, they're going to move on and get nothing but bragging rights by the time it's all said and done, which, by the way, this, this particular one with Victory Custom Trailers will wrap up on the second day of 2021. We'll be crowning the first champion of the new year. Yeah, exactly. And I want, you know, that was cool. I want to thank Chris Hettinger for coming on board with Victory Custom Trailers to sponsor uh, sponsor the template. You know, it's just so fun. And uh, we got some more coming up uh, after the new year. Then we're going to go 
what everybody's been screaming for, Zach. <laughs> We're going to go to the dirt. Okay, Rich, let's move on now. It's our pleasure, and I think this is the first time in a long time that we've had a chance to talk to one of the masterminds behind either a series or a track. We haven't talked to a promoter in a while. Introduce us to our final guest tonight. Yeah, Zach, uh, this gentleman is the promoter of the Great Lakes family of sprint cars, uh, the Great Lakes Super Sprints, Traditional Sprints, and Lightning Sprints. Uh, he, he kept you pretty busy this past summer. Yes, he did. Um, uh, makes his home in Merrill, Michigan. Barry Marlowe, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Barry, let's get right to it. Uh, a lot of noise in the last few weeks surrounding your Great Lakes group, sprint car racing in general in the state of Michigan, and, and specifically I-96. It looks like uh, Jeff Dice has made a decision on the type of cars he wants it at his racetrack in 2021, and that's going to include quite a bit of you guys. Yes, it will. I uh, <laughs> I don't know if I wait a couple more weeks. I may not have to come out with my schedule. Everybody's going to have it <laughs> pretty well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they have. They've uh, they've really. I mean, we've always. It's been a sprint car track. It always has been. But it's uh, the non wings. We turned a corner last year with non wings at I ninety six, and they are going to have probably a little mini series at I-96 as well with non-wings when we're not running GLSS or the traditional sprints. So there's going to be a lot of non-wing racing in Michigan this year. Well, and I think that there's, and I just wanted to, I wanted to branch off that, Rich, real quick. I think there's been a little bit of a reinvestment through the Great Lakes, uh, you know, through what you're doing, Barry, a little bit of a reinvestment in non-wing sprint car racing up here because, uh, as you well know, you go two, two and a half hours to the south of the Michigan, you know, state line in Ohio or Indiana, and man, you're finding some of the best non-wing sprint car racing in the country just a couple hours from home. Yeah, there are. There's a, you know, there's there was gentlemen that showed up uh, the last the roll of the dice weekend in October uh, this last season that you know one was a track champion at Gas City. Um, Landon Simon came up, Matt Westfall came up. I mean, those are guys that, that run with the best of them on a weekly basis and they're all within shooting distance. And I think all of them like what we're doing up here. Now, before we get deeper into your schedule, I had a, a question I wanted to ask you specifically about I-96. Um, obviously, you know, Jeff has made the decision to reduce or remove the late models, um, so they're not going to be competing. And he used to have them running a lot up at I-96. Um, and probably because there's several, I'm thinking because there's several tracks that run late models on a regular basis in his area. Um, and the tracks that provide full sprint car shows, let's say on a weekly basis or more often than not, are few and far between up there. Do you think that was a reason why he made the decision to go sprint car heavy in 2021? I, He's looking for your opinion, Barry. Like, well, I, I'd like to think that that um, the sprint cars put on hellacious shows at I-96, and the fans have come out and supported it. And you know, anybody in business, at the end of the day, you you want to give the fans what they come out and support. And I'm not. They came out and supported late models, but I think there's so much competition at all the other tracks with late models that the numbers just weren't there. Um, but on sprint 
car night, you know, they're getting 25 to 35 cars and they're getting some really good shows. So I think, uh, I guess that's my take on it. You know, I think from a business standpoint, the fans love it. They come out and support it and the racers come out and support it. And it's been good for great lakes. And I think we're going to continue to do what we've been doing there. I do want to say, I love going there myself. Well, and I, I do want to say to this, Barry, is that it, it's my understanding that when Great Lakes are not there sanctioning a race, there will still be that Michigan late model there on the American Racer tire, um, which is something that they went to this year. That's my understanding is that they do still plan on running some late model shows, but the investment definitely has gone to sprint cars, and it doesn't just include Great Lakes Super Sprints. This is the part that I think is cool, Barry, is that through the Great Lakes Super Sprints or the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints, um, you know, you're getting to co-sanction a couple of events, and you and I kind of talked about this uh, off the air, um, but you're getting to co-sanction a couple of events with some stellar uh, sanctions in the sprint car world. The first one coming up will be with the Lucas Oil American Sprint Car Series, which that was a fantastic show um, the first time that we got to do that back in 2019. Yes, they, uh, they're, they're very anxious to come back. Um, the very first season that Great Lakes Super Sprint started, we raced at Hartford, and we had one car finished in the top 10, um, and that was Dustin Daggett. Mm. This year, or, or 2019, when we had the double weekend and we invited them back up and they ran, ran at I-96, um, we not only had five in the top 10, if Sam Hafferty wouldn't have showed up. We would have won both nights because we took second and third both Friday and Saturday night. So the quality of our cars and our racing has changed dramatically. Um, and it's made one heck of a weekend for people. For If they like sprint cars, that's going to be way. And we're going to have the non-wings there. We're going to have the non-wings there with Boss and ASCS and Great Lakes Super Sprints. So you got four well-known and good groups going head to head. And for those on, ke- on that very first weekend in May. And for those keeping track at home, in 2019, it was uh, Ryan Rule, if I'm not mistaken, who came just shy. I think he was running him down too, from what I remember. Uh, was running down Sam Hafertief and just ran out of time. And then it ended up being eventual 2019 series champion Phil Gressman, who uh, just came up short in that attempt to to knock off the ASCS guys. And here's the other thing that I like, and I'm really excited about this show, and Sprint Car Fanatics know this too, Barry. There's basically three major divisions of Sprint Car Racing, 305s, 360s, and 410s, and you're going to get to see this season at I-96 two of those divisions square off on the same night. You're going to get to see the Fast 410s and the Great Lakes Super Sprints 360s, and this will just be... The second time that Fast has tried to come to Michigan in in recent memory, and if I'm not mistaken, Barry, this will be the first time, if everything goes according to plan, that Fast will actually get to run a race in our state. Um. Well, we've we did it on a Sunday on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, three years ago. Okay. Fast and Great Lakes Super Sprints on a Sunday afternoon show. Where was that at, Barry? Um, 
That was the I ninety six. Okay, all right. So I had I had um, missed that one. You know what event is stuck in my head, and we don't have to revisit that one. Um, but yeah. you know, I know the attempt has been made before, and and I'm excited to get to see this one go off. Well, we've we've raced, we've had two or three races with the All Stars um, in GLSS, and we raced with fast. Boy, I almost thought we raced twice, but I know we did for one. Um, and of course we'll have numerous non-wing and 360 races together and a handful of with the lightning sprints as well so <laughs> there's going to be a full docket of, of sprint car racing in michigan for people this summer so barry uh let's get back into your stuff now what are you looking at let's i guess we can go one by one let's start with the great lakes super sprints uh obviously you have several shows at i-96 what else are you looking to add to the show and, and how many events are we going to be looking at in 2021? Well, as I said tonight with confirmations, um, I know it's going to grow. I, I, I'm thinking we're going to end up about 22 to 24 races for mm. Great Lakes Super Sprints, which is usually where I'm at. Um, there will probably be two or three races in Ohio, maybe four if I can pull that off. Um, but uh, as of right this moment, I have 18 confirmed, and all of those are Michigan. Um, we will we will run our championship at for all three divisions the first weekend after Labor Day this year. <clears throat> so championship weekend will be Tri City on Friday night for all three divisions and B mods, and Saturday night will be our final night for points with all three divisions and IMCA mods. I think they are. I, I think, I think they're technically B. I think that's backwards. I think they're B mods at Mara and IMCA at Tri-City. I think. Okay. I don't know. They're it, so, they're, be mods. They're so close it, to being be the same thing. Wheels. Yeah, I know. I, I have my hands full keeping track of my own. Cars. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> the bottom line is, the that's going to be a big weekend um we'll have something out on that but that'll be an all open wheel weekend so great lakes lightning sprints traditional sprints gls and modifieds at tri-city and um merit on the 10th and the 11th of september um so that's a that's going to be a big weekend uh we have another memorial day weekend um, I don't know all the particulars of what Hartford has going on, but I know we'll, GLSS will be at Hartford on Friday of Memorial Day weekend, and then Crystal on Saturday, and then the non-wing will be at Hartford on Saturday and run Crystal on Sunday. So it's going to be a double weekend for both of those groups um, at the same tracks, but staggered one night. <laughs> Um, now I know you like, I, I I've seen, you know, when uh, on the, on the original schedule for 2020, which that, that didn't let, you know, the, the schedule itself was kind of, kind of put to pieces after this pandemic, but, oh, yeah. but, um, I know you like to try to team, uh, team some of your, you know, your series up together at an event, you know, like with, like you said, with the great Lakes super sprints, with the traditional sprints. And then, you know, having some with the lightning sprints as well. How many of those events where you can double them up? 
Um, well, I think the way it sets right now, I haven't. I, I think there's probably five or six events that all three will be running throughout the course of the year. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't have everything done with Hartford yet. So I don't know if those are going to be non-wing and wing or if he's going to run run them separately. I'm not 100% sure. In the past, we generally run wings and non-wings together at Hartford. Um, the one I have confirmed right now, we will be running different nights. But in, in just a slight correction, <laughs> as much as I do enjoy running them together, because um, it makes it easier on the staff and, and having everybody in one place, and I like having all three groups together, kind of like having a big family get together. But <laughs> really, that was kind of a bonus because I really didn't put all three of those groups together to specifically do that. <laughs> the tracks are the ones that wanted that. So, which is really awesome. I mean, it was, it was really kind of a cool deal for me that they wanted to do it like that. So um, that wasn't me pushing that. What were, Actually, I was kind of the other way. What, what were your thoughts on that after that? I mean, because obviously, you know, you have a plan going into 2020. The pandemic shoots that in the foot, but you still have that plan of, you know, kind of keeping this three divisions separate from one another. But then these promoters start saying, no, I want you to bring them. Now that you've seen that unfold, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is that something that, you know, not that you're going to push tracks into bringing two or more of the sanctions on one night, but... Does it kind of change your outlook on that idea? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm not thankful for the pandemic, but I am definitely thankful that I didn't run 65 races last summer <laughs> because I definitely was not ready for it. Um, I, I really missed the boat with the non-wing people early in the season. Um, I'm going to say the first three or four races were – way tougher than a they should have been and a lot of it was i'm going to say my lack of preparation i i misjudged several things and i think we turned it around at the end of the season but um uh, it was a it was a well-seasoned group um and they didn't know what to expect from me um i thought i knew what to expect on my end but uh we had a little growing pains and that was my fault. I wasn't prepared. The pandemic kind of took me out of my game. I guess I wasn't. I also didn't prepare myself as much as I probably should have. And, and, but, for, and for those who maybe, you know, forgot or missed it or, or aren't quite sure how the, you know, if we have some new listeners that don't understand how the whole thing went down. Uh, Barry, you, you bought or acquired or whatever phrasing you want to use the former, um, uh, what do I want? Michigan, Michigan traditional sprints. sprints. I've I've called it Great Lakes traditional sprints all summer, and now I couldn't remember. The uh, Michigan traditional sprints uh, got that from Joey Irwin. Joey still runs with the with the Great Lakes sanction, and um, you know that was that was a an organization that was very uh, you know reliable with who you were going to get, what you were going to get as far as a product. And I think this is the first time in a while, Barry, where we've seen somebody take something over like that. Um, and, and try to change it up. Not a lot. Uh, you know, it's not like you went in there and shook the rattle can on them, but, um, you know, just make some adjustments, kind of a fresh coat of paint, if you will. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that you feel like you maybe kind of missed the mark a little bit the first third of the season. 
Yeah, well, you know, I had a lot of respect. I still do. I didn't mean to sound like I don't anymore. I, I, but in the past, as we were running against them, I liked Joe a lot. And, but I looked at Joe as more of a custodian. Joe wanted to race Don Wayne. Yeah. And he, he felt that the only way that that was going to happen was to keep MTS going. And I talked to Joe for two or three years about being willing to take it over. But I think he wanted to make sure that, that I was committed to sprint cars and non-wing sprint cars. And, and I am, but I don't think the rest of the group really saw what Joe did because Joe and I had a lot of hours of talking, mm-hmm. but, and that's where I missed the mark. So I, I, uh, but because the family, you know, the Irwins and, and there, the, you know, Gary Hayward and, and there's a group of people that have been racing together for a long time and they didn't know what to expect from me. And I guess I honestly didn't know what to expect from the group. Right. Um, but, but that's, that's growing pains. And, and I would like to think that that's behind us because I am committed to non-wings. Uh, I'm committed to sprint cars, period. Well, passionate about them. And that's why you've got the three divisions. And I think, too, on the non-wing topic, man, those that last two-thirds of the season, and, and you know, midsummer it started rolling around, and, and, you know, by the end of the year, some of the shows that I was able to be a part of, uh, talking to the drivers in the pits and, and walking around and just seeing the atmosphere of the Great Lakes traditional sprints, it felt like a Great Lakes Super Sprints race in the camaraderie and the excitement to be there in the competitiveness, knowing what the purse was and knowing what sort of bonuses were on the line. And two, knowing what sort of reputation comes with winning a GLTS race. Um, it, it was a very exciting pit area to be in at the end of the year. Well, I'm glad. It's nice to hear you say that. I appreciate that. Um, I felt, I felt like, like, we, like I said earlier, we did turn a corner and I think they saw where my heart was and my heart really is in it. I just, cause I never really intended to change a lot of what Joey was doing with MTS. All I wanted to do is I, I wanted them to know the, what the purse is going to be and the points fund is going to be and, and what they're racing for. And, and I wanted to add some consistency on that end. Not that they didn't really have it, but I also wanted to beef up the, the social media side and the promotion and letting people know who's running and where we're running and, and, and come out with a schedule earlier in the year so people can plan to come race with us. Um, but like I said, some of those other things, I, I, I wasn't as prepared as I thought I might have been. But, you know, Not I guess that's... Yeah, let me ask you a quick question. Um, you know, this year, 2020, the pandemic kind of really snuck up on us. You know, it kind of, uh, you know, reared its head four to six weeks, I think, right that close to when we were getting start to go racing, you know? So it really mm-hmm. kind of threw everything for a loop. Um, are you leaving contingencies in your schedule in case we aren't quite ready to go in April where they're ready to open tracks up and put put fans in the seats throughout the state. Are you going to leave contingencies to be able to to reschedule events? Um, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. I guess that's all I can say is uh, I've already talked to some of those early tracks, and we're not even making rain dates for them mm-hmm. because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, because basically, once things happened last year 
several of the tracks called me and says they're just eliminating all the races we had and if we do anything we're going to start from scratch so with that being said how can i plan for something like that yeah <laughs> so i'm just going to say no i'm not building any contingencies i'm building a full schedule for all three groups um, yeah, my, my hope is, I mean, it, obviously we all would love to be able to go, uh, go, go racing and hope everything is, is safe enough for everybody in April. Um, you know, my, one of my, my tracks, Flat Rock, we never got to open this year, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I'm just hoping we get to get some, some racing in, um, at a lot more tracks than we were able to this year. That's my hope. Right. Well, we actually pulled, pulled it out of the hat last year. I didn't think we had that great of a season in number of races, but then as I started talking to some of the other traveling series around the country, um, there was bigger series than I, I am that only raced three or four times. So with that being said, you know, we were almost at half of our season as far as numbers. So, it ended up being a pretty strong season. We had some really good races. Um, who would have dreamt that we would have had that many races in September? Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's that's a really good question, Rich. But you know, in all honesty, I don't know. You know, I try to build contingencies in everything I do, but it's awful hard. I'm trying really hard not to schedule myself against myself this year. <laughs> that's one of the big things I did last year. And I think I learned my lesson as of right now with the 36 races between non-wing and wing that I have confirmed, I only have one night that we're at two different tracks. So, um, I'm excited about that because I'm not hundred percent sure if the Canadians are going to be able to come over and join us yeah, good point. early in the season. And if they can't come join us, especially the non-wing, I don't want to race against myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have guys that will run wing first, but if they if they don't have a wing show, they'll run non-wing. So that's probably one of the biggest changes I've had. So we're racing almost every weekend this summer. It's just you're not going to see the full size. Well, I like know I had scheduled in 2020. Well, I do know this. I know uh, we talked to Greg Dahlman last week. He's looking forward to putting a, to putting together a car that will be uh, ready to go for non-wing shows and for wing shows. Um, and you've got a couple of guys that enjoy doing that. So I am looking forward to the nights where uh, both non-wing and, and wing cars are on the property together. Um, I know that the season just happened, but I don't think that we've seen anybody bag a Great Lakes traditional sprints and a Great Lakes super sprint series race in the same night yet. So I'm looking forward to that history being wrote. Well, let's see. I know, I know uh, Daggett got close. I don't think he did it, though, did he? No, he didn't do it. Traditional sprints. Um, he a wing and a non-wing show um, the same night at Tri City in 2019. Before it but was that was before that wouldn't have been a Great Lakes traditional sprint. Well, I'm looking forward um, to uh, that to that history being wrote for sure, and uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of your schedule being out. I, you know, we talked about it that it's uh, you know it's all but done. We're looking at 18 confirmed as we talk tonight. 
out of a potential 22 to 24 race schedule for the Great Lakes Super Sprints. Obviously, the traditional sprints is coming together nicely, and I'm looking forward to a sophomore season with the with the Lightning Sprints as well. Because man, the races, the couple of races that I was able to attend for those guys were a lot of fun, and uh, it's kind of oh. that kind of that stepping stone inside of what you got going on. Yeah, the Lightning Sprints. That's a whole nother that's a whole another night of talking, but <laughs> you're absolutely it, it's right. So exciting. Uh, you know, I, I don't call it a beginner class cause it's not a beginner class, Mm-mm. but it is a beginner class. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a great place. It's a great place economically for somebody that hasn't raced sprint cars to jump in and find out if they want to race sprint cars. Um, it's going to have the same power to weight ratio. It's going to have the same feel as they go into the corners. Um, and they're fast. Um, in fact, I've had guys tell me they're too fast. Um, but, but we also have a lot of senior guys. We have, we have guys that ran full size sprint cars and they don't want to chase sponsors anymore and they just want to go out and race. So they go in the lightning sprints. The other nice thing about lightning sprints is if you work all day, and you don't have any help to take you to the track, so you have somebody pushing you or helping you work on the car, the lightning sprints, you can get to the track and race yourself without having the help that you need on the other traditional sprints or the full-size wing sprints. So that's a cool bonus. Um, so there's just a lot of dynamics, and that's what I get really excited about it um, because by no means it's a beginner class that, you're just going to run in there and, you know, it's a bunch of beginners because there's guys out there that are experienced and they're serious about what they're doing, which is what makes it awesome. <laughs> so Barry, so, we, you know, I, I tease, uh, you know, I, I tease Zach a lot because in the, in the last year or so up until 2020, we would, we would spend a lot of time at the tracks together that we cover. Um, so it sounds like in 2021, you're telling me I'm not going to see my co-host very much. <laughs> <laughs> um probably not i'm gonna try to spend as much about firing him but but (laughs) god dang i like that voice on the videos when i hear him so well i'm I'm stuck between two hard spots i either put up with him so i can have his voice or i fire him but i'm gonna keep him i think i I would appreciate if you would do the latter (laughs) because i enjoy (laughs) i enjoy watching the likes of ryan rule and, and jared hortzman uh, Phil Gressman, I mean, goodness, Dustin Daggett, Greg Dahlman, the list goes on and on. Uh, you know, 10, 10 to 15 guys show up a night ready to win a Great Lakes Super Sprint Series event. And we're going to see the same thing this year, I think, with Great Lakes traditional sprints and lightning sprints. You're going to show up to the track not knowing who's going to win on any given night. And I think that's what makes your series exciting. And we're looking forward to seeing that unfold. Do we have a season opener date? Have we nailed down the official season opener yet? Um... The season opener for for uh, Great Lakes Super Sprints is I-96 on April 16th. April 16th. Put it in your calendars, folks. You heard it here first. It's, a ro- it's a, <laughs> no pun intended, but it's a roll of the dice. Yeah. Um, but, but I really, um, uh, I really wanted, I want to give all the groups a chance to race at least one time before we hit that double header with ASCS and boss. Mm-hmm. So because that got moved up to May 7th and 8th, I wanted to give ourselves a couple weekends to give them a chance to get their cars ready and go out and, and race as a group before we go head to head and 
get to the battlefield yeah. on that May 7th and May 8th date. So I don't have um, MT or uh, <laughs> the traditional sprint. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I can't help it either. Hard habit but to break. Traditional sprints, yes, and the lightning sprints. Um, the lightning sprints, the only races that I have, um, I booked a couple solo merit races because I'm all done with merit at this point merit and tri-city and we will have a race at silver bullet um by themselves great lakes lightning sprints and then the only other ones i have filled in at this point are where we're all three racing um because we will that that class i will run against ourselves because we aren't really sharing cars Mm -hmm. i have justin ward that that will run both but for the most part, the lightning sprint guys aren't jumping back and forth like I do the non-wing and the wing. Sure. So, um, because I have to talk to Winston and and Thunderbird wants to make sure we have a race in there. We'll probably have something at Hartford and Butler. Um, so cool. Well, they'll we're... have a full schedule. I just, I just. That's the next on my agenda to finish out. Well, we're looking forward to seeing the full schedule get released. Uh, I'm looking forward to filling up my Google Calendar here. And, uh, man, April 16th, uh, mark it on your calendars, folks. That'll be the date to look forward to here. Merry Christmas. You got a, got a little nugget from us this week. Um, GreatLakesSprintFamily.com for more information. That's GreatLakesSprintFamily.com. There you can learn about the Great Lakes Lightning Sprints, the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints, and the Great Lakes Super Sprints, all of which are uh, wrangled and corralled by Barry Marlowe, who we've chatted with tonight here on Horsepower Happenings. Barry, thanks for joining us this evening, man. Looking forward to seeing you soon. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking about sprint cars. Thank you, guys. Okay, well, I'm excited now. I've got my sprint car schedule fix ready to go. Um, I thought I was going to get to do some late model challenge series races this year, but it sounds like uh, unless Barry decides to change his mind about about uh, pass or play on whether or not I get to announce with him this year, sounds like I'll be pretty busy with the GLSS. <laughs> it, it sure does. I guess I'm going to get to spend a lot of time with our friend Brian Osborne this yeah, summer, yeah. it sounds like to me. So, um, no, looking forward. You know the good thing, Zach? It's well, like we were talking about uh, with Barry, let's just hope that we don't have any issues with going racing in 2021. Um, if we can get all of these schedules in with, with all of these Great Lakes uh, super sprint race and traditional sprints and lightning sprints, get all those races in along with all the dirt late model racing events that we have in this. This is go- 2021 may be quite the makeup year for 2020. Well, let's take a look at the upcoming calendar on races that you can watch and or attend. By the way, if you want to binge watch and relive the uh, races from the St. Louis Dome, you can find those races. They are available to binge watch. Our friends at Road Trip Productions just put up uh, a couple of premiere videos from last year's uh, what do I want to say? At Fort uh, Rumble at Fort Wayne. That's available if you need some TV entertainment. But if you want live in-person racing, I kind of have your hookup, Rich. As a Christmas present, December 26th, you can go to the S-H-T-T-R apostrophe S full 200. I think that stands for something. Um, 
<laughs> Cousin Eddie would greet you at M40 Speedway. That's right, live racing. It's an enduro, but it's cars on a track. Um, anywhere from $800 to $1,500 to win based on a car count. I'm going to guess they're going to be in the 1500 neighborhood as they have 40 cars plus pre-registered for this 200-lap enduro. 1 o'clock start time, M40 Speedway, Jones, Michigan, December 26th. Bundle up. Yeah, that's that's a little that's more out your way, Zach. I, I think that's really close <laughs> to you. You should not have a problem going out there. I think I might take. Uh, you know, we, I, I got to say, you know, when we were when we were on the Hammerdown Racing Report a couple of weeks ago, um, Ron Miller invited us to come down to Sandusky yeah. on New Year's Day, and so I might do that. It, it's only about an hour and a half from my house, so I I may head down there and take him up on it and. Go hang out with uh, Ron Miller and Scott Hammer for the day. Now, you've got a little over a week to plan this out, Rich. Will you go to the hangover race hungover is what I want to know. Um, n- probably not because <laughs> almost all the bars in Michigan are closed, Zach. That's a good point. Good and, point. Uh, yeah, so uh, unless I, unless I want to run to Ohio and, and, you know, get undercover and try to get to the border and get back. That's a good point. No, I, th- I think we're going to have to play this year really nice and uh, socially distanced like we've been for quite a few months and um, just make sure we're doing the right th- right thing. So uh, nobody's getting sick and we'll be all be here to enjoy racing when it comes around in April. Looking forward to that. We'll talk more about racing that's coming up in the new year on next week's program. Also, I uh, hope you can join us next week for a year in review program. We're going to try and get some special guest panelists to kind of go over all of the big storylines from 2020, Rich. Uh, sounds like we'll be able to get Brian Osborne in. Uh, going to try and get a couple of other folks to join us on the panel as well. Watch for details on that on the Horsepower Happening social media. And, you know, it's funny to think about so little racing happening in some areas, but some major headlines uh, in the racing industry from 2020. We're going to try and break it all down on next week's show. Yeah, you know, we we, we talked about not a lot of it. There wasn't a whole lot of racing going on, but it sure seemed like we kept busy all summer long. So, uh, you know, I guess there was nothing else going on, so we at least had something to do every weekend. What it looks like now is... We are going to have to pick and choose what we want to do on the weekends in 2021 if everything works out. Yeah, you want to be a, a, an unpaid intern at Horsepower Happening, send us your information, press at hph at gmail.com, and maybe we can work something out because we're going to need some help uh, covering yeah. everything that's going on next year. But we are out of time. We're over time. Thanks again to Kyle Purvis for joining us. Thanks to Barry Marlowe for uh, retaining my job, it sounds like, and for uh, giving us some scheduled details. Thanks to Scott Menlin, who owns and operates Horsepower Happenings. And on behalf of Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanks for tuning in. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk next Monday, same time, same place, right here at Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.